You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Monday, August 28th. The 49ers wrapped their last meaningless game of 2023 on Friday with a preseason loss to the Chargers. Aww. Um, but joining me to talk about, it feels like everything but the game, is Kyle Madsen of the Niners Wire. He's also host of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great now that I don't have to... I'm- I don't have to watch that football game anymore or talk about it. I'm very happy that it was one of the worst football games I've ever watched. It was so well, brutal. It it was brutal, but like I'm and obviously I'm just kidding that, you know, we won't be talking about the game. We'll probably talk a little bit about it, but <laughs> it just felt like watching it. It was the least important thing that happened that day. Like I didn't even care about totally. the game by the time it rolled around and it was pretty boring. Um, So, yeah, we have so much to talk about that has little or nothing to do with the game. And, you know, honestly, we could start with the Trey Lance stuff, but I say let's just cross that bridge if we get to it, right? Like, I spent a good chunk of Friday this weekend talking about it, thinking about it, reflecting. I need just, like, a small break from it. And, you know, like, if my listeners and viewers feel that too, then, you know, this is a good show for them to, to join me for. But uh, I think going into this topic that we're about to touch on, the trade land situation, I think, kind of distracted us from how much of a big deal it is. And I'm talking about the Nick Bosa lack of a new contract. <laughs> um, so I think now that like Trey Lance has been traded, I feel like we're all kind of like, oh, wait, like now let's all, you know, focus on this really big thing. Um and he is still holding out as he should. The 49ers still have not paid him as they, you know, should not. Like they should not not pay him. And <laughs> week one is 13 days away, right? So the 49ers do have to get down to 53 players by tomorrow, Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific. As of right now, Bosa is on the reserve, did not report list. That won't count towards the 53 if he remains there. Matt Barrows of the Athletic this morning was on 95.7 the game and said, quote, the agent is using Tuesday's 1 p.m. deadline for getting down to the 53-man roster as leverage. That's sort of a next data point or date that I'd be looking at for when this deal could get done, end quote. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know what, like how or why the, the deadline or the getting down to the 53 should be like some kind of deadline or like leverage. I guess I'm kind of missing what what leverage could come from that. But John Lynch did sound optimistic that a deal could get done before week one as he should like he, what else would he say? Right. To our faces right. or to the media. Um, Ian Rappaport though on KNBR last week, didn't rule out a holdout going into the season for Nick Bosa, but also mentioned that there wasn't a lot of communication between the two sides. Um, mm. And, you know, before we go into anything else, like this morning, he joined the Pat McAfee show, Ian Rappaport did, and had this to say about the situation. They're not there yet, and I don't get the sense they're close at all, so I don't get oh. the sense anything is imminent. Um, but at least they're, you know, it sounds like there's been some level of conversation, I guess, uh, which is, you know, as there should be, it's like there's been at least some touching base. Um, they're not there yet, and I know this probably doesn't make anyone feel better, but like, there still is a lot of time. I mean, Bosa, I'm sure, keeps himself in unbelievable shape. I don't think oh, he's yeah. going to need a lot of, like, acclimation yeah. period, you know? Um, so even if he shows up, you know, five days from now, like, I'm sure he'll be ready for the season. He's going to make a lot of money. I, I feel very confident that if he signs a deal, um, he's going to be the highest paid edge rusher in the NFL. Hey. I feel very confident Congratulations. in that. Let's go. And he should It's just how high does he get? Does he get Aaron Donald? Does he get highest paid non-QB? Like, what does he get? Uh, And I think that's more of the question than like, are the 49ers going to pay him? Like, their offer is substantial. I wanted to end it right there. It was a long clip, but I I wanted to make sure that I got to that point where he he did say the 49ers deal is substantial. But -hmm. like at this point, it's like the deal is still not done. So clearly it's going to take more than a substantial deal to get something done, right? 
Yeah, that's what's fascinating about this is I don't think this is a situation like with Debo, right? Where there was a question about his value and and wanting to pay him long term. And what is his role and how do you pay a running back wide receiver? T- it's Nick Bosa is a reigning defensive player of the year. He's the, the best player on a loaded team. I don't think there's an issue with what the Niners are going to pay him. Like, I can't imagine that they're trying to lowball him. Right. But I could see there being some quibbles about exactly like how that contract is structured. Because when you look at Eric Armstead, George Kittle, Fred Warner, Debo Samuel, they have all these really high price contracts already that they have to try and figure out how to now Javon Hargrave, Trent Williams, they have to figure out how to weave Bosa's contract into that without, you know, letting some of these other guys go. So I, I, I don't know. I can't imagine that they're super far apart money wise. Maybe Bosa just doesn't want to mess around with the preseason and he wants to show up before week one practices start and be good to go. Like that's kind of the, that's kind of the sense I've gotten based on how this is all shaken out. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he, he just wants to join the team like to Pittsburgh. He'll, he'll fly himself to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that, that's, that's his, that's his plan, I guess. But like, I guess like what has concerned me and I know other fans as well on that is obviously there needs to be like a reacclimation period. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not worried about Nick Bosa being in shape, but it's a little bit different being in football shape. Right. And, you know, getting into the game speed of things. I still don't think it would take Bosa a long time to get reacclimated, probably mm-hmm. less than most players, but still, you know, I think at least, or I guess at most at worst a week before week one is mm-hmm. to me, like when I would like to see a deal done or I'm panicking. And I am quite frankly already, you know, at that panic point, right? Sure. Like I just think it's, it's natural, but you know, here's where Trey Lance does come in a bit because I think in trading him, the 49ers freed up $940,000 this year. Mm-hmm. I think it was 5.3 million next year. Mm-hmm. And while it doesn't seem like that's a huge difference or like, that's a lot, you made a great point. There's a lot of like maneuvering. I think that the 49ers need to do going into, you know, these next few years and, they're currently projected to be over the cap in 2024, right? So I'm guessing the 49, yeah, I'm guessing they want to keep the first two years of Bose's deal minimal, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in order to make it work. So now whether that's the sticking point or not in the negotiations, I don't know, you know, maybe the 49ers, were like ourselves distracted by the Trey Lance thing. It seemed like that was obviously a priority for them to, Mm -hmm. to trade him. So now maybe they can start to focus on this, you know, getting this Nick Bosa deal done. Yeah. I mean, you'd hope so. The thing I keep going back to though, and it's a little bit different situation, but TJ Watt with the Steelers in 2021, he did a hold in. So he was there, but just not participating. He signed September 9th was when he signed his extension and he was on the field for week one and led the NFL with 22 and a half sacks. I think that season. So I, I, I'm not necessarily worried about Bosa, like being ready and being on the field. I mean, you're right. Their football shape is different than exercise shape. Right. But I, I I'm, unless he's missing week one, yeah. I, I'm not necessarily like hitting the panic button. It's definitely more concerning now than it was two weeks ago, but I'm not going to panic until he's missing practices leading up to week one. Well, that's a great point on, um, you know, TJ Watt. And I'm, I am glad that you mentioned that because I do feel a little bit better now. So, so thank you for that, (laughs) Kyle. Um, But yeah, I mean, obviously week one would be a big concern if you were to miss that, because I think we see the depth, the edge depth on the team so far, and it hasn't really impressed any of us. Right. So I think we can all agree that having Nick Bosa out there is going to be really important for week one and beyond. Um, I saw that the Eagles have an edge rusher available uh, for trade. Now, I don't know if the Eagles would make a deal with the 49ers, um, you know, for an edge rusher, but you know, if they do, you know, maybe make a few calls, John, you know, just an idea. But anyway, let's get to talking about the game. You know, obviously the 49ers now set their focus towards week one. Mm -hmm. This team has some lofty expectations from fans. I think they would say themselves, they have these high expectations based on what we saw in the preseason. 
out of Brock, out of the first team offense, while it was minimal. Yeah, I think they played only like Brock only played three total series this preseason. Uh, but I I would say they they looked pretty good, like a well-oiled machine. They were moving the ball and they looked poised to pick right back up where they left off with Brock last season. Do they not? Yeah, I was I was I don't want to say really concerned. I was a little bit concerned of what Purdy would look like going against the defense for the first time. Because remember Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019, remember that game in Denver? It was just a mess. It looked like he'd never played football before. <laughs> but then he came back and and played better against against the Chiefs and of course they they went on and 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 went to the Super Bowl that year. But Purdy had no like you if you didn't follow football between the NFC Championship game and now, you would never know that Brock Purdy had an elbow injury. And that's a that's a big deal and you combine that with the 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 thing that I took away from the first team really was how Debo Samuel looked. He, and granted it's preseason, yeah. I know, but he looked explosive. He looked more like the player we saw in 2021 than the player we saw through most of last year. And that's why I think the first team offense has such high upside right now. It's like Purdy's healthy, didn't look shook in a, in a, in the pocket. And that's great. And then Debo Samuel looks like Debo Samuel again. So I think, I, I don't have any reasons to gripe about about their offense right now. Yeah, and on Friday, two drives with Brock Purdy, two trips to the red zone. One of them, of course, ended in the Jordan Mason fumble. Um, but you know he's not part of the the starters anyway, so I you know I'll forgive him for that. Christian McCaffrey did not play this entire preseason, and so that's another thing to keep in mind is like once you plug in you know mm. Christian McCaffrey into all this, it'll look even better, right? So yeah. on Friday. Brock Purdy, five of nine, 73 yards, uh, rushing touchdown. And, you know, I think what people are mostly concerned about, you raised a good point. I think people were concerned about Brock Purdy and how he would look after the surgery. Um, very fair, uh, you know, pause to have with with Brock and how he would look. I think, like, we're we're beyond that now. I, he looks totally. good, right? Totally. So I, now I think what people are concerned about is the depth and not just in the quarterback room, say what you want about that. Uh, but, you know, I think just everywhere. And but let's start with the quarterbacks, because, you know, I think the big reason that a lot of us kind of panic about the quarterback depth is because we've been conditioned to believe that we need it. And mm-hmm. we do. We have needed it. The, mm-hmm. the 49ers quarterbacks are always getting hurt, going back to like Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Trey Lance last year. They needed Jimmy Garoppolo to step in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thankfully, I guess they brought back Jimmy Garoppolo for that reason. But, you know, I think if you look at the past couple years or I guess if you look at last year and how that all played out, mm-hmm. we felt good at the end that Jimmy Garoppolo was there as the backup mm-hmm. going into this year. We feel good about Brock being the starter. But I don't know how we feel about Sam Darnold being the backup, or I don't know about you, but I it's it he's not Jimmy Garoppolo, so <laughs> yeah, I, there, smarter people than me are super high on Sam Darnold with Kyle Shanahan, and so that's kind of what I've fallen back on is like okay, I sure, but I don't I don't see it with Sam Darnold, man, like in any in anything that he's done to this point. And maybe he gets with Kyle Shanahan and it's an Alex Smith, Jim Harbaugh situation. And Sam Darnold has to come in at some point, you know, knock on wood. He doesn't, but let's just say he does. And he looks like a different quarterback and he's completing 65% of his throws and everything's fine. And Oh my gosh, the miracle worker, Kyle Shanahan. But until I see that, I'm not going to be, be confident with Sam Darnold, you know, like exactly. I, I, I sure okay but i gotta see it before i'm giving that the double thumbs up great move you know that's it that's exactly what i said as i was like watching the game it's like okay sure they they made this decision they feel confident about it but i would feel confident about it if i saw it like it doesn't matter what i think but i'm just saying like and uh Kyle says here, McCoy was released by Arizona. That is Colt McCoy. Yes, he was just released by the Arizona Cardinals. Um, That's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I I still feel like the 49ers, because they're so bullish on Sam Darnold, they're not going to be interested in someone like Colt McCoy. They also like Brandon Allen quite a bit. So, you know, oh, this is. You see it a little bit with Darnold, right? Like you see some of the like 
big time throws he makes. Yes, yes. And you go, talent. wow. But then, but then there were there were two two throws against the Chargers on third down where he steps up and, and lets it rip and just airmails it over everybody. And I'm I'm not I'm not totally sold. Like I get the big arm and I, I get the athleticism and I and I I understand the puzzle pieces, but I don't know how to put them together yet. He is just as capable of making the same, like, very questionable throws that Trey Lance was. And Trey mm-hmm. Lance, the reason was because he had no experience, right? That's what mm-hmm. you could chalk it up as. Sam Darnold, 55 starts, right? Like, 55, mm-hmm. 55 games played in. Um, he has the experience, and yet he he does make these, like, questionable throws and decisions that you would think he, he shouldn't be, right? So yeah. I agree with you. There are flashes for Sam Darnold where clearly you do see the talent, um, but I don't know if he could put that together consistently. That's what we haven't seen, and that's what worries me. So if anything were to happen to Brock Purdy long term where, you know, few more than one week, I would Mm -hmm. be concerned. But that being said, we're talking about, you know, the backup position, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, so, okay, so, I mean, you mentioned it earlier. They've needed more, two or more quarterbacks in in six of Kyle Shanahan's seven seasons. So I, I, I understand why there's the consternation over the backup spot, but ultimately, like, that's what it is. There aren't that many teams that are banging their heads against the wall over over backup quarterbacks. But on the other hand, just to get back to Darnold, the thing I come back to is Steve Wilkes was the interim head coach for, for Carolina when Darnold came in and, and played for them last year. And Darnold played the best football he's played in the NFL. And a lot of it, it was a lot of downfield passing, which is why I think his completion rate was so low. But I think it was seven touchdowns and three picks. Like he took care of the ball. He showed off some athleticism more than he had in, in previous years. And I and like I said, I think that that completion rate, if that's 63, 64%, I think I personally would feel a little bit better about it. But then you start to see it's 59 or 58 or whatever it is. But I think in this offense, you might see the best version of Sam Darnold. But what is, I don't, I don't know what exactly that is. Is it Brock Purdy level? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo level? Is it something below that? I'm, that's what I don't, I don't know. But like I said, hopefully Brock Purdy's healthy for 17 (laughs) games and it doesn't matter. I keep telling everyone like, do your prayer circle, you know, whatever you got to do, like, you know, yes, Brock Purdy needs to stay healthy for this team. Um, but yeah, as a whole, like, obviously, like we were saying, I think the depth is a concern, but like we were saying, and, and like, um, let me see, there was a comment here that said exactly what I was thinking on the matter. I think it was Randy, Randy here. Well, we've only seen the second and third stringers all playing at the same time. That's not going to happen in a real game. Thank you, Randy. Like I, I say this all the time because I think our concern about the depth is of course magnified in the preseason because it's the, all of the depth playing at the same time. Um, And that would never happen in a real game. You're never going to see the entire second unit of the offensive line, you know, playing at the same time. You're never going to see the entire, you know, defensive line, second unit defensive line playing together. So at least you hope not. (laughs) You hope not. I mean, I guess anything can happen with the 49ers, but like, you know, in a perfect world, ideally that does not happen. So uh, that's why I think I'm not as concerned about maybe others are about the depth. Um, You know, I do think that some of the depth players did step up as more of the preseason games went on. You know, Jalen Moore, for example, I thought he Mm -hmm. did a pretty good job in Friday's game. Just one example. But I think there were other guys as well who, you know, as they played more, I was like, okay, like they they could probably work with that if they had to go in as a fill in. So, yeah, yeah. on the on the offensive line specifically, it's really hard to find depth, right? There's just not a lot of there's no team is thrilled with their their reserves on the offensive line I don't think so that's that's less of a of a worry to me but but I think I think it was it Randy makes a good point you know a a a, a line of Jalen Moore and John Feliciano and Nick Zakel and like that that is scary but if it's if it's Nick Zakel lined up next to Trent Williams next to Jake Brendel, like that's that you can like you said, Kyle Shanahan can scheme around that and and you'd feel okay about it. Herm Edwards said something really interesting to me. What not to me on the radio one time, on the radio show that I was producing, okay. and he said that 
backups are backups, not because they can't play, but because they can play in very specific instances, 15 snaps here, 20 snaps there. You start to run into a problem with your backups when they're playing 40, 45, 50 snaps. And I think that's a, that was a really good illustration of what we were just talking about with the Niners preseason. It's like the depth looks awful. Well, it's yeah, they're playing the entire game next to other backups. Like I promise it's not as bad as it looks. I promise. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, Kyle has historically done a pretty good job scheming around other guys like deficiencies and things Mm -hmm. like that and getting them help if they do happen to play a game. Um, But speaking of, there are a lot of injuries like (laughs) to report after that game, some, you know, more important than others. Uh, Let me just go down the list here. So rookie tight end Cameron Latu, knee meniscus, uh, there's some swelling. He prop. I think the report was that he would need surgery. He was getting a second opinion on that apparently, um, but that could have implications on what happens to him with the cutdowns to 53. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. Telano Hufunga had a knee cyst. He's okay. It seems like he'll be fine for week one. Uh, Chris Conley, wide receiver, shoulder injuries day to day. Cornerback Parker AJ Parker out for a few weeks with a hamstring uh, safety. Taylor Hopkins broke his hand. He's going to need surgery. Jordan Mason got a foot sprain. He's day to day. Here's, here's the hit. He, well, do you want to, do you want to say something before I get to the, no, it's just a lot the meat of the, <laughs> that's not even the worst part, I guess. Like there are two kickers got hurt like it within like the same within 48 hours of each other 24 they they both got hurt jake moody strained his quad like the day before the game and uh zane gonzalez who was going to fill in for him on friday hurt his calf in warm-ups and he's out weeks we don't know how long jake moody's going to be out so this team that had two kickers suddenly has none and i don't i don't know what they do i mean everyone's like Call up Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold is hanging up that phone as he should. So fast. I mean, so, so fast. fast. Like, so I don't know what they do. I'm sure there's going to be kickers that are going to be, you know, released here in in the next uh, 24 hours. I mean, I saw Kate York from the Browns just got traded. 49ers aren't, aren't going to trade for another kicker, but Can't imagine. just saying, some kickers aren't going to be available out there. So maybe they can make the call, but it won't be Robbie well, Gold. I can tell you that. <laughs> No, I I would very seriously doubt it's it's Robbie Gold. It, I mean, maybe Jake Moody winds up being fine. The good news for the Niners is they can. I don't think this affects how they have to operate with their fifty-three man roster at all, because they can bring in a kicker during the week and sign them to like the practice squad, and then call them up. We saw them. We saw them bring in like Chase McLaughlin in twenty nineteen yeah. for a couple of weeks. It doesn't have to be some long-term answer. It's can this guy kick a 35-yard field goal with the game on the line? Or like Joey Sly, or was it yeah. Christian Viscaino? Mm-hmm. Tristan Viscaino, whatever his name was. It, it, we've seen him do this before. So I think that the week leading up to that game, they're going to give Jake Moody time to to get that quad right. And if it's not during that week, then they'll work out a kicker and add him to the practice squad and and call him up on on Saturday, and they'll be there week one. It's just a little terrifying, though, because like looking yeah. at week one, it's Pittsburgh. You already know it's going to be a tough game. You're on the road. Um, apparently, like that that field or that stadium's, you know, one of the challenging ones for kickers. Mm-hmm. And that game could very well go down to the end because I expect it to be like a defensive battle till the end. And it really could come down to the kicker making like the game winning yep. kick. And that <laughs> terrifies me because I guess like I would be terrified even if it was Jake Moody, just because like he hasn't even looked like very consistent, yeah. you know, in these preseason games and now Moody's hurt. So it's like, Oh my God, like just, can you figure out the the kicking position, please? Like, yeah, it's just 49ers football, baby. It's I don't want to call it a mess because it's not like this it, isn't it's a little bit of a mess. They did use a top 100 pick on a kicker who missed his first two kicks like that's not great. Not great. But <laughs> but it's not it, it's just I, I get what, what you're saying. Like maybe week one comes down to to the kicker. 
But ultimately, the the 49ers aren't going to win or lose the Super Bowl based on who their kicker is week one. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of immediate an immediate concern, but long term, this doesn't change how I feel about them at all, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not yeah. worried that a kicker is going to lose them their season. I mean, their season, maybe not. But, like, I think what we've seen so far, like, ooh, like the kicker position could lose them some games. No doubt. And- Chase McLaughlin. Chase McLaughlin missed a big kick against Seattle for uh, just to just yeah. But to your point, to your point, he was signed off the street. Basically, we're talking about Jacob Moody, the you know third round pick kicker, who people were already upset that they picked him there, right? So he needed he needs to be perfect, you know, by no fault of his own. He needs to be perfect in order to validate that that was a good choice. It wasn't. But, you know, he he needs to be perfect. Right. And so far he hasn't. And like now he gets hurt before week one again, like no fault of zone. But I'm just I'm just illustrating. It's a tough look for sure. They need him. I, I, I said this when they got drafted and I was not the only person that said this. A lot of people said this and I agree with them. He had to be he Jake Moody had to be like Justin Tucker to justify being taken with the exactly. 99th pick. Mm-hmm. And I get people that that don't want to put that level of that bar to it, but given what it would cost to get a kicker, like an adequate kicker, undrafted or late, you could do that. You could draft one late and then sign two undrafted guys and figure out who the best one is and not use one of your two top 100 picks on a kicker. So I, I'm I'm with you. Like Jake Moody, whenever he's healthy, has to be cash out the gate. Yeah, it, that's that's just it. And that'd be tough, too, because he's coming off an injury. So it's like, it, how what could we really expect from from Jake Moody? So it's it's going to be tough. Maybe um, maybe maybe this will be good for him. Like he misses his two yeah. kicks against against the Raiders. Right. And then he misses an extra point. And I know he made the game winner against Denver. But let's be real. He snuck that like just. Yeah, inside. that was that was a little very close. close. Maybe. Maybe this is good to separate him from football for a minute. I can focus on rehab. He can get healthy. He can be away for a week, then get back into it. I'm trying to find a silver lining. Put him on ice for for just a bit, you know, and, you know, kind of figuratively and literally. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, we'll 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 all be waiting, you know, very patiently, I guess, for uh, Moody to return. And we'll see what the 49ers do in the meantime. Um, look, just really quickly, I do feel like that does have some implications to the 53 man. I mean, I think the original idea was that they would be trading Zane Gonzalez, Mm -hmm. right? And Jake Moody would be, um, their guy. Now you get into a situation where obviously you're not going to cut Jake Moody, but you do have to bring in another kicker. So where does that leave Zane Gonzalez? And I, I did, you know, sneak around and and I I cheated a bit and I looked at your um roster projection for uh Niners wire Kyle mm-hmm. and you have them cutting Zane Gonzalez yeah. so do you do you feel like that's probably the the likely scenario at this point right yeah I think it, I think they were hoping to be the type of team that the Browns who just traded for Dustin Hopkins would would call for Zane Gonzalez, yeah. but Zane Gonzalez injury. Now, if he's going to be out a few weeks with a calf strain, that's they're not going to hold on to him in hopes of getting a conditional seventh in 2025 for a kicker, you know? So I, I just, if he was healthy, I would feel different. And that I think would really complicate things, but he's, he's out for a few weeks. So I don't think the Niners are going to necessarily deal with it. They're like at like plan B and C for their kicking situation. So yeah. it's not great. But um, can you imagine if they rostered two kickers? Like if Zane Gonzalez oh, is dude. healthy and their and their answer to the Jake Moody thing was we're just gonna keep both. Oh my god. Yeah, oh my god, is the answer because like <laughs> that's that's terrible. But like I guess if anyone could they've they've already kept two kickers throughout this whole process, so I guess you can't really put anything past them. But you know, I I think there's just so much. Uh, there's so many other positions you got to prioritize. <laughs> I would just hope. I would hope that's not the case. But you know, it's unfortunate that you know. I, I thought their plan to trade Zane Gonzalez was probably a solid one, mm-hmm. but 
not going to work out this time. So uh, well, the 49ers have already started to cut some guys ahead of the deadline uh, that's taking place tomorrow. Tell me if you know who some of these players are or if you've heard of them before. Cornerback Nate Brooks, uh, mm-hmm. defensive lineman Ladarius Hamilton, sure. defensive lineman Breland Speaks, mm-hmm. defensive lineman Spencer Wagey. Hey, I actually know Wagey. He, I interviewed him uh, in the pre-draft process. He's a cool kid. Um, I do hope that they can stash him on the practice squad, and I hope they do bring him back. Um, they also cut a, a linebacker. Kiava uh, Tazino, and yeah, so that's what we've got so far, but I imagine there'll probably be more today and leading up to the deadline, uh, you know, tomorrow. So let's talk about some of those, like, bubble guys and who has kind of helped their case throughout the preseason. And I do want to reference, again, the roster projection that you had for Niners Wire just Mm -hmm. as a – you know, starting point. So you have the 49ers cutting Brandon Allen. And I find that interesting. I like it, but I find it interesting just because the 49ers seem pretty adamant about having like, or just liking these three guys and Mm -hmm. wanting to have all three of them. Now they could maybe stash Brandon Allen on their practice squad. Um, I don't know if another team would really necessarily scoop them up. Uh, So I think that's probably a good plan if they were to do that. So a weird thing happened with Brandon Allen and he got no 11 on 11 reps in the joint practices against the Raiders. And then there was the birth of his child leading up to the Denver game. And so he didn't practice at all there. Mm -hmm. He didn't wind up playing in that Denver game. And then he comes out and he has, I think one or two series against the chargers and did not play well. Like he looked terrible. Yeah. He threw a pick. I guess it was two. Cause he threw a pick in the one. And he just didn't look good. And I think, I think if, if you're the Niners, when you start looking at other spots on the roster, keeping three quarterbacks and that third quarterback being Brandon Allen, I don't think it has to be Brandon Allen. So I think yeah. that he, they can cut him. And if they can get him back to their practice squad, great. If the Bengals call him and say, hey, come back, because apparently the Bengals quarterback situation is is abysmal, then maybe maybe that happens and the Niners can go get a veteran or, or a rookie just to be their practice squad quarterback. And that way they're with the team the entire season. And if they need a third quarterback, it's at least somebody who's been around. I don't think Brandon Allen is so talented or so important or so vital that you keep him over, I think there's extra players at receiver or on the defensive line or at corner or tight end. There's so many other places that they could use that additional roster spot. And I don't think Brandon Allen is, is it. So that's, that's why I, I had him off my, my 53 man. I 100% agree with that, but it, it, it's also weird while like at the same time that we know this, like Brandon Allen has been hyped up for some reason, like mm-hmm. for much of the off season operating as a QB four, now the QB three. And like, I don't know, there's just been glowing reviews about Brandon Allen. Like why? <laughs> I'm sure he's a great guy, but, and uh, you know, I'm sure he understands the offense, but when you, he's just not, I, I don't, it just I don't, seemed unnecessary. I'm with you. I, you know? No, I'm with you. Like you saw, it was Greg Papa super early in the off season talking about how great Brandon Allen was. And then Kyle Shanahan, he looked so good in OTAs that you can't just cut a guy like that. I felt like I was taking crazy pills. but And then it, it kind of worked itself out where, yeah, he didn't get a ton of 11-on-11 11 11 work. He played like three or four preseason series, and he just didn't – he's just a guy. And I, yeah. I don't think he's so irreplaceable that you can't risk him signing elsewhere. Like, it's just not – it's just not that big of a deal yeah. to me with, with Brandon Allen. And the 49ers should want to keep their options open anyway because, you know, as these roster cuts happen, you're going to see a lot of other teams, you know, cutting some quarterbacks that maybe, mm-hmm. you know, would be better or, you know, just better value than Brandon Allen. So something yeah. to keep an eye on. But I am on board with them just keeping Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold in the meantime. Now, as far as the running backs go, we have Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, Ty Davis Price, and Jordan Mason. 
perfect. I I have seen some people be like, I'm concerned about the running back depth. You are. This is like quite honestly the the best I think running back room that they've had, and maybe even the deepest uh, that they've had since Kyle Shanahan has been here. Yeah, so I don't I, I don't get that sentiment and. I, I think these four are perfect. If um, Jordan Mason had like regressed big time or Ty Davis price had not taken this leap, like Davis price looks yeah. like a different player this year. He does. It he does. If, if Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell decided not to show up week one, I would feel fine about the Niners running backs for real. Like I, I think Jordan Mason and Ty Davis price are both very good. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like from top to bottom, I think these are all capable like backs. Should any of them go down? Yeah. Um, Kyle, you I mean, you went out on a limb on that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, bold takes only here. <laughs> but look, I do want to talk about Jack Coletto because there are some people, and maybe this is like, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, and this is more of a conversation for the long term. Mm-hmm. But Jack Coletto, I think, is one of those guys you do want to keep around. I think he'll do fine on the practice squad, you know, assuming he makes it to the practice squad, and I think he will because, like, there aren't that many teams in the NFL that value fullbacks, yeah. much less an undrafted free agent fullback. Right. Uh, so I do think Coletta will, will make it. That being said, I, I have seen conversations of people saying, you know, like this might be Kyle Juszczyk's last year with the team just because of how his contract shakes out, you know, beyond this year. And I, I can see that happening, you know, just because like, if Jack Coletto does end up being someone who they they feel they can put that trust in, mm-hmm. Kyle Ushek does do a lot for this offense. And I think for a lot of people, it does go, go unnoticed and underappreciated. Kyle Shanahan does know how much Kyle Ushek does, clearly. Mm-hmm. But can Jack Coletto like, fill those shoes? I, I don't know. But I think from a roster-building perspective and keeping the cap in mind, that's a move they can potentially look to in as soon as next year, I think. Yeah, just to that point, they save four point nine million against the cap if they cut use check next year, and then six and a quarter million in twenty twenty five. So there's savings to be had, but I think Jack Coletto would have to show a lot for them to move on from from Kyle Usechek next year. He's such a key cog in their offense. I, I unless they think that Braden Willis can be that guy. Or if Jack Coletto takes a leap in in just on the practice squad, then may, but I, I think their offense would just fundamentally change if Kyle Yuschek wasn't part of it. So I, I I'm I'm hesitant to to say this is his last year, but financially, if the Niners need to like really come up against it, that's an area that they can save money for sure. And also, like I think because of how much money is being allocated to some of these like, you know, big players, mm-hmm. they're at that point where they do kind of have to make the tough decisions and you do want to yeah. move on from guys before they, they start to decline in their career. Now I think right. Kyle Juszczyk is fine. Like he, he hasn't shown any signs of like slowing down or, or decline or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just something to keep in mind. I, but yeah, I think uh, Coletto will, make the practice squad. And I do think like there's, there's a pretty solid chance that he will be that guy in the future uh, to fill in for Kyle Juszczyk. Now moving on to the wide receivers, this one's a tricky one because there's a lot of injuries. And I think there's also a few guys that are deserving of a roster spot. Now Mm -hmm. you have Debo, Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, those are the three that, you know, definitely are locks. Yeah. I would put Ronnie Bell as a lock as well. Ray Ray McLeod, I mean, just for his returnability as well. Mm-hmm. And you have Danny Gray making it. Yeah. Um, so McLeod and Danny Gray currently are hurt. McLeod, not sure how much longer he'll be hurt going into the season. I assume it, it won't be enough to, like, warrant putting him on the pup list or anything like that. So he'll probably just be on the roster. Danny Gray... Uh, not sure how long he's going to be out either, um, but he's one of those guys that I I don't know what they do with him. Just because I feel like I feel like the reason they drafted Danny Gray was to complement Trey Lance, and mm. I don't know if Danny Gray really fits what 
they want to do with Brock Purdy. That's that's my thought. I do mm. still feel like they like Danny Gray, but maybe this injury kind of gives them, you know, some kind of early out and on on him. And maybe mm. you bring in someone like I don't know, Chris Conley. I do feel like it's too early to move on from Gray, but mm. just because of the injury, I feel like there could be they could dance around that a bit. Yeah, no, that's interesting for sure. I hadn't thought about that. I, I think Gray is a candidate to make the 53 and then go on IR yeah. with a return designation. At least that's kind of the sense I've gotten. But remember too, and this is something that, that Matt Barrows brought up, the Niners ran out of IR spots last year, or at least with the return designation. You get eight, and they ran out yeah. of those. And so I think they're going to be a little bit more diligent this year. Uh, but that said, if Gray's going to miss you know, six weeks or whatever, I, I haven't heard a, a timeline then, then yeah, I think that you open up a roster spot by by putting him on IR once once the fifty three has been announced, and that way you still have five receivers because I do think Ray Ray McLeod probably it's it's so his initial timeline for return was like eight weeks, and that was that that put him on track to return by week four, I think mm-hmm. it was. So you don't necessarily need to put him on IR even if even if he is going to be back by week four, maybe he comes back earlier. So I do think that they keep six with Gray going on IR to to open up a roster spot elsewhere, whether it's on the offensive line or or what have you. Yeah, interesting. It doesn't necessarily have to go to another wide receiver, that right. extra roster right. spot. So that is a good point. Now, if it did go to a wide receiver, it, we're probably looking at Chris Conley or Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed has, you know, done a pretty solid job, you know, in the preseason, but mm-hmm. It's like one of those things where, yeah, he always looks good in in like camp and in the preseason. But then when it's time to go out there with like the other starters of the NFL, it's like, oh, he's just the guy, you know. I, um, I think Kyle Shanahan trusts him. Yeah, he's and he's gonna know where to line up. He's gonna block. Yes. Yeah, and he's just gonna do what he needs to do. Sometimes that's all you need to yeah. to make a roster. So we'll see what the 49ers do in that case. But yeah, wouldn't be surprised if Danny Gray does end up on IR. Now moving on to the tight ends. This one's tricky too <laughs> because again, there's like another injury that does potentially open up a spot for someone. Mm-hmm. George Kittle, of course, is a lock. Charlie Warner, Ross Dwelly, probably those are locks too. I do really think that the 49ers probably drafted Cameron Latu and Braden Willis with the idea that eventually they'd want to move on from Charlie Warner and Ross Dwelly. Mm-hmm. Based on what we've seen from, you know, Latu and Willis, probably a little too soon to move on from Warner and Dwelly. So yeah. I think those guys are going to stay. And I've, man, Latu has been a tough one for me. I mean, with all the drops and... Look, he had that one game against uh, – it was the Broncos, the second preseason mm-hmm. game, caught several passes and had the touchdown. So that was good. He really needed that. Mm-hmm. But to me, I was still like, is that enough for him to make this roster? Because we had heard not just about the drops in the games, in the preseason games, but all throughout camp. Clearly, yeah. he was dealing with just the yips. Yeah. Uh, so to me, he hadn't done enough to – to warrant a spot, I would have preferred that to go to Fumagalli or Willis at that point. Now, the knee injury does open up the possibility mm-hmm. that they can, you know, put him on IR and have him essentially redshirt the year because clearly, like, Latu's one of those guys that was probably more of a long-term pick. He needed a lot of development. And so I think if they just put him on IR this year, you know, let's pick back up next year and see where you are bring a guy like Willis or Fumagalli uh, and have them be the fourth tight end. Yeah. I, I don't know the prognosis on Latu. If he's having meniscus surgery, then yeah, maybe he is going to wind up missing the year. They place him on IR. So he doesn't have to take up a 53 man roster spot. And then maybe it is one of Fumagalli or Willis. I had him on there as a player like gray where, where he makes the team then goes on IR with that return designation. And then they try and sneak one of those other two tight ends through waivers and then uh, uh, re-add them to the roster after that. But it wouldn't shock me at all if they if they just put Latu on ice for the season, uh, let him recover from from that meniscus tear and and get Braden Willis in. Yeah, I mean, because like I I feel like they were kind of probably thinking anyway, like ooh, like 
I, I don't know if this guy should make the 53, but he would have anyway, sure. just because of where he was drafted. Yeah. Now, again, like because of the injury, it kind of opens up that, you know, you, you kind of get away with just putting them on IR and, mm-hmm. and, you know, just waiting. So we'll, we'll see what they do there, but yeah, tight end, an interesting one just because of that. So we'll keep an eye on that offensive line. We've got our starters, Trent Williams, McKivitz, uh, Spencer Burford, Aaron Banks, Brendel. And beyond that, you have uh, Jalen Moore, Matt Pryor, and John Feliciano uh, making the roster as well. That is mm-hmm. eight offensive linemen. I like that group. I mean, like I said, I think Jalen Moore stepped up. Moore and Pryor were two guys that, like, in camp, it's like, ooh, like, I'm not sure. Even early on, I think, in the preseason, it's like, ugh. But I think as they played more and more, and Jalen Moore started that game on mm-hmm. Friday against the Chargers, and he did a solid job. And that goes back to our point where if guys like Jalen Moore are playing with the rest of the starters, sometimes they can look good. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they can look solid. So I thought Jalen Moore did a good job. Uh, and he, I think, does deserve a spot now. Matt Pryor, I think kind of same thing. Like he was one who was shaky at first and mm-hmm. he he kind of just got more comfortable with it. Um, John Feliciano, I haven't seen, I, I don't think I really noticed or paid attention to him enough to really have an opinion on him either way. But I do know that Nick Zakelich, who we saw quite a bit in the preseason, but you know, probably worth a cut, right? He yeah, was responsible I, for four holds in, in the preseason. Yeah, it, it, not, not, uh, a great preseason for my guy Nicky Z. John Feliciano, <laughs> if for no other reason, is going to make the team as the backup center. They don't have anybody with any center experience, and I, I don't think Keith Ishmael or, or Corey Luciano are those guys. So I think I think that's why, if nothing else, that's why Feliciano gets in. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if Zakel is a player that they cut and then either re-sign to the practice squad or bring back on the fifty-three man after they do their IR moves. Because I think they like him as a prospect, but remember he played tackle at Fordham and now they're trying to move him inside and he's he's obviously struggling a little bit. But another year where he could he would be inactive on game days, but he's getting practice reps in. And he can do that on the practice squad too. So maybe that's the route they go. Remember that's what they did with Colton McKivitz. They cut yeah. him in twenty twenty one and then he wound up starting the season finale at left tackle for them with, with Trent Williams out. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's the route they try and go with Sakel. They really do like to develop their offensive linemen. And, you know, I think it makes sense. I do think they do like Zakelge. And, you know, I think there's a couple of other guys, too, that you have as cuts who will probably make the practice squad yeah. as well. Leroy Watson, Il Manning. Now, are you worried about Il Manning, like, getting scooped up? Because he did look pretty good in the preseason. And as we mentioned teams always looking for offensive lineman depth because it's so few and far between. Yeah, it's fascinating. So I I was going to put him on the 53 man for everything you just laid out. I think it's a great point, but he's so undersized that I don't think he's going to be able to long-term hold up as a tackle and teams haven't seen him. They saw him at, at at left tackle with the Niners and and he was up and down, but for the most part, pretty good. I, I, I think a team would be hesitant not knowing what it looks like at guard. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think he projects long-term. So I, I, it's definitely a little bit of a concern, but given that the Niners don't even know what it looks like at guard, if he gets scooped up elsewhere, I don't, I don't think it's something that they're pulling their hair out over. That's fair. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Jason Poe who like, he looks good sometimes but then other times like his size does get the better of him and yeah yeah, it does matter and that's something you can't change about a player no matter how much you develop them right so uh i think that is the challenge for for those guys and jason poe you also have his cut joey fisher keith ismail Corey luciano and alfredo gutierrez although i think gutierrez He's been a roster exception for yes. as long as he's been in the league. I mm-hmm. think he'll continue to be so. So um, they'll probably bring him back with that rocks roster exemption. Uh, yeah. Defensive line, Nick Bosa, obviously like going to make the 53. Now they'll probably keep him on that reserve list though. As long as he's still holding out. Mm-hmm. 
So that would could also potentially, you know, get a one spot open on this roster and you can keep, you know, some guy around a little bit longer. I mean, eventually he's going to be back, but still you can squeeze someone I, else in. Yeah, I, I threw him on the roster because I, I'm not at the place yet that I believe he's not going to show up for, for week one. But yeah, if he's if he's not there, then I think it's probably Alex Barrett who makes the 53 man just because he's been around. He flashed a couple times in the preseason. He's gotten regular season action with the Niners before. I think Chris Kasurik really likes him from, from when they were together in, in Detroit. So if Bosa is not on the team, I think that probably bumps Alex Barrett up to the active roster until Bosa signs. So I want to talk about some of the players that you cut in, in this projection. Okay. We had T.Y. McGill, Marlon Davidson, Breland Speaks, who has already been cut, um, Alex Barrett, Ladarius Hamilton, Hamilton already been cut as well, Robert Bill Jr., uh, Spencer Wagey has mm-hmm. already been cut as well. The the one that I want to focus on is that last spot because, yeah, and you admitted <laughs> in here too, uh, Kalia Davis, T.Y. Ty, McGill, and Marlon Davidson, that was not an easy choice. No. Um, Curious why you went with uh, Kalia Davis there. Here's because he was the draft pick, Mm. but that's it. Like that, that's just why I basically flip of the coin. Um, I, 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 T.Y. McGill was really good for the Niners last year and, and had a, had a nice preseason as well. So it wouldn't shock me if they keep him or try and sneak one of those guys through, through waivers to the practice squad. I don't, I don't feel super strongly either way on on Davis or or McGill and and Davidson had a had a decent showing in the preseason too, but specifically Davis or McGill. If you want to flip flop those, I'm not gonna. I'm I will not argue with you. I do also think that like I and I'm not challenging that choice at all because like I I do agree like that's a tough it. one to make um, between those three guys. I think like you said, what it comes down to also like who do you think you'd be able to just pick up as a free agent, you know, somewhere down the line? Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's just going to be available. T.Y. McGill last year was that for them. They were able to, I believe, yeah, they brought him in for camp, I think, last year. They cut him and then ended up signing him back again, uh, you know, later in the year. So that situation could arise again if they feel like they do need more edge guys, right? So, sure. um yeah, could be McGill, could be Davidson, but I, I'm totally with you. I I'm intrigued by Clea Davis. We haven't seen quite enough of him yet, but mm-hmm. I do really hope he can be someone who can contribute. Just because, like, I think we saw Kinlaw and Givens run defense a little concerning for me. And again, mm-hmm. they're not going to be guys that are going to be there a lot of the time or starting right. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be a big deal in the regular season, but just something to keep in mind that run defense, those interior guys yeah. like to see a little uh, short up, but yeah. um, moving on to, to linebackers, another kind of like tough one, I think, cause like we got Warner Greenlaw and I think obviously those guys are locks. Mm-hmm. You have Oren Burks is like, okay, he's, he's taken the Aziz Al-Shair, uh linebacker three spot, right? Is that kind of like what you're projecting for Oren yeah, Burks? May- maybe. Uh, so what what we just talked about with Kalia Davis and T.Y. McGill and Marlon Davidson, where just pick one, you can do that with any three linebackers after Warner and Greenlaw, and I would just believe it's so you. true. Like it's sure, so true. pick three and throw them in there. <laughs> I picked Burks because they signed him for special teams, yeah. and they know he can contribute there. And he was one of their one of the guys getting reps at, at the Sam spot, the starting Sam spot during camp. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if they cut him though in favor of D winters or Marcelina McCrary ball. They're younger. Uh, uh, winters is a draft pick. Like sure. I- I'll buy it, but no, I'm this- not married to any of them. Yeah, no, this, this linebacker spot is so tough because like they draft linebackers so well and they have so many guys who can like, you know, they can develop them into, you know, starting guys including D winters and Jalen Graham. Jalen Graham is already, he he looks like a vet when he's out there. Granted it's been, you know, with other second units, but I mean, he's dominating. He looks really good. No, he looks good. He looks good. So 
I think I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers like trade one of the linebackers like DFF or Marcelino McCreary ball. So because like one of these guys, you're probably already thinking of cutting them because you have to. Mm -hmm. And why not get something in return? Right. So I could see McCreary ball uh, potentially being one of those guys, maybe even DFF if they want to bring in Jalen Graham and D winters and keep them on the 53. I know it's a new regime in Denver, but a couple of years ago, the Niners had a guy named Jonas Griffith from, from Indiana yeah. State who had a really yeah. nice preseason. They traded him to Denver for, I, I think, like a pick swap and a, and a seventh-round pick. So that it wouldn't shock me if they tried to call Denver because Jonas Griffith just mm-hmm. tore his ACL this year for, for the Broncos and is out for the season. So ACL or Achilles, I forget. He, he had a season-ending injury, though. It was one of those two things. So it wouldn't shock me if the Niners, yeah, pick up the phone and, and try and, and cut a deal for one of those guys. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on. Uh, so cornerback, Traverius Ward, Diamador Lenore, those guys are locks. Um, mm-hmm. Now, we've been hearing so much about who's going to be the nickel, who's going to be the nickel, and I think that's going to make way for a number of guys to get an opportunity. Obviously, Isaiah Oliver was a guy they signed in the offseason. Some people have been like, I don't know if Isaiah Oliver makes a roster. He's going to make the roster because why wouldn't he? Yes, he, he mm-hmm. hasn't performed to like what they expected him to be, but at the very least, he could be depth, and at the very least, he could – you know, get he can get his so, stuff together. So I, I I think the Niners look at what happened late last season, specifically against the Raiders, and then again a little bit against the Cardinals, where Diomedo Lenore just got picked on by bigger tight ends and receivers. And I think the Niners are trying to insulate themselves against that with Isaiah Oliver. Because he is big. He has like outside corner size and he's playing in the slot. So I think and when Steve Wilkes has talked about him, he's talked about that big nickel and playing matchups and this and that. That's mm-hmm. why I think Oliver's going to be on the team because they don't they don't want teams just isolating uh, Diamond or Lenore with Darren Waller or whoever and and picking on him that way. Yeah, and I really do think they're going to want to mix and match based on the matchup, yeah. like you said. I mean, Steve Wilkes literally said that, so I think yeah. they're going to hold true to that. Um, so Womack and and he's you know flashed here and there in the preseason. Ambry Thomas looks improved. Yeah. Uh, the interesting one is Daryl Luter, but I also think. Okay, I say it's interesting because we haven't seen much of him. Yeah. But again, going back to Clea Davis, he was the draft pick. So you always, you know, you you go with that as him being the lock there. So Daryl Luter, even though they haven't we haven't seen much of him, and quite honestly, the 49ers haven't even seen much yeah. of him uh this offseason, but it, that makes sense. Him staying on the roster over guys like Deshaun Jameson, Jameson, UDFA, Quantra's Knight. Uh, I believe Quantra's Knight was a former UDFA. Um, right. Yep. I like him, but he'll probably go to the practice squad as will Jameson. So I, I think that makes sense, you know, just based on that. Yeah. So I think Luter, because he's dealing with that bone bruise in his knee and he's on, so he's on the, the pup list right now. And I, I think NFI mm-hmm. or pup, I forget which one he's on, but if they put him on the roster and he stays on pup or NFI or whichever he can return after four weeks. And it doesn't use one of those IR designations for return. So they can keep him on the roster that way and not take up a roster spot. Once they put him on, on one of those lists and not use one of their return designations from IR. And then I think they'll try and sneak Deshaun Jameson through waivers. And if he gets through, then they'll re-sign him to their 53 man. Once they put looter on the, on IR that's that or on pup I think that's how it's gonna go yeah yeah he is on pup and going back to there's a number of different injuries that I think they can kind of like manipulate bringing guys in or sneaking guys in to the roster for mm-hmm. now um so that can work in their favor for some of these so yeah looter definitely falls under that category now the last one here safety Hufanga Gibson Jair Brown, George Odom. I don't have any questions on that one. It's, it's a yeah. layup. <laughs> it's a layup. Yeah, like there's My, there's no question on that group. I was really excited about Miles Hartsfield at first because when when they signed him, they didn't have Jair Brown yet. And Hartsfield was a player who knows Wilkes from from Carolina, yeah. but did a little bit of everything in Carolina. Played slot, played, played free safety, strong safety, lined up at linebacker for them some. And it was like, oh, he's going to be kind of Jimmy Ward light for them. And then they just drafted a better version in Jair Brown. And I think that <laughs> spelled the end of, of Miles Hartsfield. Yeah. But Great I mean, to, 
to your point, like maybe maybe he's someone that, you know, if there's an injury, they can bring him back or like practice yeah. squad. You know, you never yeah. know. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys that they cut today, they're going to be back in some way, shape or form Definitely. as the season goes on. So but I think it's look, I, I think it's a great group. Yes, the depth is maybe not what it used to be, but as long as health. Health is imperative to this team's success. I think the 49ers will have no problem getting back to where they were a year ago. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This is this team's loaded. They're super good. Yeah, super good. That's the that's the best <laughs> description. I hate I hate like like saying that because it makes me look like a homer, but li- they just are. just they're they're a really really good team. This roster is stacked. Like there's yeah. not a, there's not a lot of teams where their depth issues are like the fifth defensive tackle you know like that's just it's 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 a really really good roster and if Brock Purdy is as good as he was last year they're they're gonna be hard to beat all right well Kyle thank you so much for joining me today this was a blast like we go way back and I can't believe this is the first time that I've like collaborated with you but it was fun and we should do this again sometime I'm around hit me up I don't do anything I take naps all day. No. <laughs> okay. Give yourself more credit, man. No, but tell everyone where they could find your content. Uh, Nineswire.com is the website. Candlestick Chronicles is the podcast. Uh, get it wherever you get your pods. And uh, check for Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA from Cooper Brewing. You're there welcome. we go. Let's Ta-da. go. All right. Well, for those of you guys listening, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Make sure you like this video if you have not yet. But for now, have a good rest of your Monday, folks. Peace.